0: hey folks welcome back to the traders for a cause podcast i have a special guest this week he is the owner of rivera and company and you might know him as the trader tax cpa mr brian rivera welcome to the traders for a cause podcast how's it going
1: zach thanks for having me you know this is the optimal time during tax season so i am super busy but i figured <laughs> i would take a, a few a few minutes out of my day to come chat with you and you know, just talk about some of the things that I'm seeing uh, on my side of the fence. I I feel so honored
0: that Atreides for Cause has made made your busy schedule because I know it must be crazy this time of year. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a good problem to have. It's Absolutely,
0: great. especially after 2020 with uh, with I'm sure the the uh, the onslaught of new traders that have come in and probably don't know a yeah. thing
1: about it. Um, I mean, I think records are meant to be broken, right? I mean, I think there's a record number of new day traders in the market. Uh, I think Robin had had a record number of new Counts open. I mean, so day trading was something that was easy for a lot of people to, I guess, try, you know, kind of during the pandemic, because they were, you know, at home, right, collecting unemployment or sure, doing whatever. So I mean, I think day trading was a good fit for a lot of people.
0: Sure. So let's kick it off with a with a kind of an easy question that uh, I know a lot of people are curious about, you know, talk about some common misconceptions when it comes to trading and, and income tax. And, you know, where do people start when they when they get into this business?
1: Yeah, so that's a that's definitely a fully loaded question. I think um, there's, first of all, before I get started, let me go ahead and say that anything that I say, I wouldn't say it's individualized tax advice. So I'm gonna talk very broad because each person's you know facts and circumstances are different. And so that's why I always recommend to book a consultation, talk to a CPA, um, but I'll talk high level and I'll talk trends that I see. Um, but one of the biggest misconceptions that I see is that I think sometimes when people start trading, they automatically think that they are classified as a trader or an active trader under what, you know, the IRS guidance is when really, you know, there are certain behaviors or patterns that you got to meet in order to be qualified as a trader. And once you become qualified as a trader, then you get a bunch of different benefits that include, you know, being able to deduct your business expenses, uh, electing mark to market accounting. Um, there's a variety of things that you get when you become qualified, but at its onset, just because you're behind a computer, just because you're behind a keyboard, you're, you're placing trades, that doesn't necessarily mean you're trading. You got to hit the certain hats to become an actual trader. Hopefully that makes sense. So that's number one. Um, so, number two is um, I think sometimes people try to calculate their own tax liability. And I think sometimes they assume that the gains that they make from trading you know, are subject to self employment tax and really it's short term capital gains. So, you don't have to worry about um, all that other stuff too. So there's, there's a lot of assumptions that people make, but again, I could talk about this for the next hour, so I don't want to go too far <laughs> in the weeds, but uh high level, that's kind of what it is. see. Got it.
0: When, when you are an independent trader, if you're, if you, you know, uh, have decided to do it full time, uh, you know, what are things that you can deduct that people might not realize that they can, that can be a part of your, uh, your tax plan?
1: Yeah. So if you look at the, um, in the IRS guidance basically, when you qualify as a trader in securities or a business trader, you can deduct anything that is ordinary and necessary to execute your trading business. So some of the things that I see is you know, people are part of let's say chat room subscriptions, they pay for education, they've got market data they got scanners, you know, traders use a lot of different things, you know, to execute, you know, their day-to-day operations. And so there's a lot of business expenses that you can deduct um, just as a part of the normal course of business. Or maybe you're a small cap guy, you like to short some of these, you know, these penny stocks, right? Super vaults, all right? So you pay a fee to borrow shares from your broker to participate in that trade. And that is a, that's a huge expense that a lot of people are missing out on if they don't understand that you know they're allowed to, you know, to deduct those things.
0: Do you uh, do you have to be incorporated to to maximize these deductions that you're talking about?
1: You don't actually. So a lot of people think that you got to be inside of an LLC to leverage business expenses. When you actually don't have to. So as long as you hit the criteria, you know very high level is you know you place at least seven hundred and twenty trades in a twelve month window. You place a trade on seventy five percent of available days. So the equities market is open, you know, 252 days in the year. So 75% of that is 189. So you got to have a trade on 189 days. Um, there's a couple other things, you know, just spending at least four hours in the markets. You got accounts over PDT. So if you hit all those rules, you could call yourself a trader and how you know that is going to be based on your 12 month picture or at the end of the year when you can, you know, review your data and assess to say, okay, yeah, I meet, I meet the criteria. So once you meet the criteria, you are now allowed to deduct your business expenses. So the IRS won't give you a stamp of approval. You won't get a great job certificate in the mail. <laughs> Literally, it's just you have to prove that you met the criteria as of the end of the tax year. And once you do that, you can deduct your expenses. Talk to Now, me when you brief- get inside the LLC, oh, go ahead, sorry.
0: I was gonna say, talk to me briefly about the difference between a trader that has a $5,000 Robinhood account and a mm-hmm. sophisticated trader who has a, you know, hundred thousand or million dollar account at uh you know a more active trading or or sophisticated trading firm.
1: Yeah. Or we can even throw in the what's the the, the hedge fund. Uh I think he had what what was his what was his leverage? I think uh it was Bill, Bill Huang. Uh, <laughs> I mean not, not much different, right? Um but sure. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, if you compare, you know, just apples to apples, they both have access to the market, the ability to execute trades, but I think when you look at the professional trader, retail trader versus the Robinhood guy, you know they're going to be limited one to the pattern day trader rule. Right, so they won't be able to achieve trader status because they're only allowed to execute three round trip trades in a five day window. So it's going to be very hard for that person to hit all that criteria. Now, if they spread their capital, let's just say they were at Robinhood, Webull, what else is there? I mean, there's a couple of them other out there. So if they spread their capital, then maybe they could hit, you know the 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 189 days, the 720 trades. But with just one account, I'm not sure they'll be able to do it. So in your opinion,
0: you know, for people who are are trying to get into this business, is there a big advantage in getting over that PDT rule from an accounting perspective, or is it just a matter of, you know, being able to be more active as a trader?
1: From an accounting perspective, uh, you know, or from a tax perspective, I would say that once they're over the PDT rule, once they qualify for trigger status then you unlock pandora's box and that allows you to one deduct your business expenses so on average i'll see traders deduct somewhere between eight to fourteen thousand dollars a year in business expenses and then if you're a short seller you know it goes way beyond that of course uh, and then the other thing is you unlock the ability to elect what's called section 475 which is mark to market accounting and once you get those two things, you're getting probably, I would say about 80% of what it means you know, to leverage the tax code. And then from there, you know, you can get into these entity structures, which I don't want to confuse everybody. So I'm not going to go too deep <laughs> into that, but there are some additional deductions that you can unlock um, by trading under uh, a business.
0: What's like, a, give me like a gold nugget. Like what's, what's something that everybody needs to know when they start doing this, that yeah. uh, if they don't know, or if they're ignoring it, they're yep. being completely foolish.
1: Wash those, uh, absolutely watch those. You know, I don't know if you saw that article that was circulating, uh, maybe it was like a week or two ago, I got a bunch of emails. I mean, it was going off the hook and everyone was worried like, oh my gosh, uh, this guy, you know, he only made 45 grand, but he's got a tax bill of 800,000. So if you're a new trader and you don't know what a wash sale is, I highly recommend get yourself educated, make sure you understand just go on Google, type in wash sale. I got stuff on our website, I got stuff on YouTube. So there's a lot of information out there to help you understand what it is. But at its most basic, most infant, infant definition, you know, if you buy and sell a stock in a 30 day window and one of those trades is a loss and you turn around and re-participate in that stock, congratulations, you just flagged a wash sale, which gets disallowed for tax purposes. So if you keep trading that stock over and over and over and you never sit it out for at least 30 days, that wash sale is gonna accumulate and it's gonna become massive and massive. And so this particular trader did not sit out of this stock and he kept trading all the way to the end of the year, which now he has a, what's called a wash sale deferral. So the loss got deferred into the next tax year. And that is why his tax bill is higher than what he actually made.
0: That's insane. So if I remember correctly from that article, he made, I guess, $60,000 at his regular job. He made 45 grand trading and his tax bill is potentially $800,000. And and there's no way for him to fight this or get out of it. Like this, it's legitimately gonna basically screw him.
1: You know, unfortunately, I didn't see the final, final tax. I think it's, I don't know if his tax bill was 800 or if his gain was 800, but right now, unless he can prove that there was an error in his broker reporting, like the, the 1099B that was released, you know, he doesn't have, you know, I mean, there's not much to do. The the law, or the the tax code, or the tax laws were there for a reason, and you can take the hedge funds because that's the reason why that law is there in the first place, the wash sale rule. Because what happens is there's something called uh, tax loss harvesting, right? So, you know, these hedge funds, what they'll do is they'll look at their portfolio and say, hey, great year, I made a couple million bucks, right? So let's scan to see if there's any stocks that we have losers, right? We're holding the bag and we want to get rid of it. So they'll kill the loser and it brings their overall net income down, right? They just get rid of the stock. Well, they know they want to, let's say it was Netflix, and they still want to stay long that stock. January 1st, they'll sell it right before, or de- December 31st, they'll sell it right before the end of the year, right? They bring down the tax bill. January 1st, they'll turn around and rebuy it. That's when Uncle Sam came in and said, hey, no, 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 <laughs> no. You can't recognize the loss and then go back and participate in this particular position. You know, that's considered a wash zone. So that's actually how it came about. So it's it's a fully legitimate thing that. I mean like there's oh,
0: to prevent people from from cheating yeah. the system. Now would it have as mattered. As a day
1: trader, you're flagging this stuff every single day. So it's not oh, like sure. you know, it's not like, you know, if you're an investor, you know, you you can flag it at the end of the year, but as a trader, you got these all the time.
0: So the way that he could have avoided this is basically just let it go by the beginning of December and then
1: Yeah, he he just needed to sit out. So he needed to figure out okay, especially the guys who trade the same thing over and over again, so they're momentum traders who will trade like the fang stocks they'll trade you know facebook apple netflix google every single day right that's all they trade in that situation you're going to flag wash those so you'll need to sit out of those names for at least i say 31 days to be safe but if you're a player where let's just say you trade a stock it's hot for three days and then you don't actually look at it again until six months from now you probably don't have to worry about that but it's for the guys who are really buying and selling the same things over and over and over again
0: so it would have made no difference how much his what his pnl was for the whole year that was completely irrelevant to this uh, right, situation right. right because he had a
1: basically a wash sale deferral so people will look at that column on their 1099 and that number is just an accumulation of the year so where the problem lies is if it straddles tax periods so if you flag one in december or january that's the key time that you really need to pay attention to
0: got it very interesting so
1: talk about like a massive
0: loss. Like, is there any way to, to leverage that? I mean, obviously it's emotionally devastating, but can we yeah. kind of like find solace in the fact that uh, could help out on the, on the tax? Yes. Side? Yeah.
1: There is, there is one thing you can do. So funny is when you have a massive gain, there's no pity, right? <laughs> Cause you made a lot of money, but if on the loss <laughs> side, you gotta be careful again. So there's something called the capital loss rules, right? So if you, flat, or if you have a loss on the year, let's just say you lost hundred grand day trading and you are not a mark to market trader. You're a regular, you know, you you didn't elect it, right? You didn't elect mark to market. You lose hundred thousand, you can deduct $3,000 on your tax return. So if you've got another business, you've got some other type of income, W2 job, something like that, it'll offset that 3000 bucks. Rest of that gets carried into the next tax year. So you carry 97,000 to the next tax year. So you fast forward to the next tax year. If you make money, let's say you make ninety-seven thousand, congratulations, you don't pay any tax because you had a capital loss carryover. If you don't make any money, you write off another three thousand, which brings that number down to ninety-four, and you keep carrying that until you recognize the three thousand dollars. Now, if you are a Section 475 mark-to-market trader and you lose a hundred thousand, well, you get to take that entire write-off in the current year. So if you lost hundred thousand dollars day trading, boom. As long as you qualify for trader status. As long as you've got the 475 election, you can write that whole entire amount off on your tax return.
0: Interesting. Would there be any advantage to go one way over the other? I mean like- uh, Absolutely.
1: If you are an active trader, you wanna make sure, oh, I'll take a step back. If you're not a long-term investor, so if you have a 475 election, everything gets marked to market as of the end of the day, as at the end of the tax year, right? So. If you have securities that you want to hold for investment, so these are things longer than 12 months, you get the long-term capital gains rate, which is a lot better than the short-term capital gains rate. You know, you want to be careful, it's because everything you own is going to get marked to market unless you can specifically identify uh, the securities you have held for investment versus the, you know, your, your trading account. So the best way to do that, maybe you trade in an LLC or, and then you invest in your name or you trade in your name and you invest in an IRA or 401k type account. So there's ways to segregate your investments from your active trading. So
0: now talk about the advantages or disadvantage to having a uh, a, a trading organization or an LLC versus trading as an individual, like the difference in the structure.
1: What is the advantages and disadvantages of, of being an LLC versus not?
0: Yeah, yeah, essentially like, like uh, trading as an individual versus trading as a, as an actual licensed Mm -hmm. business.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this is, that's a, that's a very deep question. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on it. Probably the biggest thing you're going to see is that when you're an individual, you don't have earned income. So you're not paying social security, you're not paying wages. So if you want to get inside of a retirement plan, you won't be able to do that if you just trade in your name. So you actually got to have wages. So one of the cool ways to do that is you get an LLC, you get a tax as an S corporation. Under an S corporation, you can create earned income, i.e. W-2 wages. So if you're a trader, you make 500,000, pay yourself 150 grand, congratulations, you got W-2 wages now. Now that you have that, now you can contribute into retirement plans. Now you can deduct your health insurance. You can't do that stuff if you're not inside of a business. And the other thing is, you know, the the let's just say the S corp, it has one of the best retirement plans that, you know, in America, right? the solo 401k because you're only, you're the only employee in the business. So under a solo 401k, uh, I believe for 2021, you can contribute up to $58,000 in the form of business deductions. If it's a solo 401k traditional, there's also a solo 401k Roth option that you can also do the same. So that's how traders who make too much money can get money I'm going into the deep, uh, the the stuff I'd go over on my consultation, but that is how traders are able to get money into these retirement accounts because a lot of times if you make too much money, you can't put money into like a Roth IRA or something like that. Cool. Yeah. Yep.
0: So, so the idea is essentially to to create a corporation and pay yourself as an employee. Absolutely. Uh, to, to to get those benefits. To get those benefits, absolutely. What are your thoughts on the? Uh, I think I feel like I've, I've had this conversation with so many <laughs> traders about about yeah. uh, the fear of a financial transaction tax and what that could do to the industry. What are your thoughts?
1: I'm almost curious to see what the consensus you've got um, from, you know, the guys on the other side. I mean, I'll mean, i give you my thoughts. But I'm almost curious to see kind of what you know what you're seeing, what you're hearing from like the trading community.
0: Well, I will tell you that uh, I think that the, the fear has been out there a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think it was Elizabeth Warren or or somebody who who had talked about how they felt like they needed to to try to uh, capture revenue from the active trading community. So the fear has been there a long time now. Yeah. W- what's really behind it? I'm not really sure. Yeah. I do think, based on some conversations that I'm having, that the whole debacle with GME and um, just the the public light that was shown on that whole situation Mm -hmm. has attracted more scrutiny. Absolutely. You know, and and I think that that a lot of traders are nervous that because of how that's kind of put it in the public eye that they might do something that's going to make life difficult, at least in the short term, until traders can adapt and figure out a way around it. So I think that's the consensus. It's like, they're they're kind of cautious. They're they're feeling it out, but again, like I've been hearing this for years, so mm-hmm. I don't know how much uh, yeah. is
1: behind it. Absolutely, I, I would agree. You know, it's, what's what's interesting is you know, Robinhood is, you know, probably the biggest retail, at least at that time, was the biggest retail brokerage in terms of like the everyday, you know, investment. Maybe not the active trader, but maybe just the you know, everyone's got a Robinhood account. And so funny is that on Capitol Hill, I think the some the the big players in Robin were actually a proponent for it, which what I thought was was pretty interesting. But what I think, and honestly, I mean, I'm not a betting man, but if I was a betting man, I wouldn't, I don't think it'll go, because I think it has huge ramifications in terms of liquidity in the market, a lot of HFT funds. I mean, there's a lot of big dollars and a lot of these different firms on Wall Street. And I feel like, you know, to, to take a chunk of that away would be huge. Now, because doing the math, right? So let's just say the financial transactions tax is 0.001, I think was some of the numbers that was floating around. So if you trade your sales proceeds for a million dollars in a day, that's a thousand bucks. I know traders that do that in five minutes, you know? So it's right. kind of like, right. uh, you know, if you start thinking about the numbers, like, wow, this could be, you know, this could be pretty big. And so I don't really know, you know, cause I, like like you said earlier, it got some early rumblings, like in 2016, I think this was like maybe when, Senator Sanders was kind of on the trail. He was kind of throwing it out there. Senator Warren, and then the VP was also talking about it. But then I didn't hear much from Joe. I mean, I I didn't hear him say much about it. But then about, I don't know, two, three months ago, I saw a draft bill. I'm like, oh, wow, so they're serious about this. So now I'm just like, I don't know. I I hope not. I mean, you know, I I think long term, if it does happen, it won't be good for the market. But I think for now, you, you know, enjoy it while it's here and then you can't you can't worry about tomorrow you just focus on today
0: when i started out the 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 day trading community and when i say day trade i mean like the guys that are you know physically pulling levers and placing trades they really had it out for hfts and like people went on tirades about how hfts are ruining the market and all this and and the talk of a a financial transaction tax Mm -hmm. would have basically been curtains for hfts i mean like yeah, it would have been the end of them. I think that, that that opinion has kind of shifted a little bit. Like I think that traders yeah. are appreciating the the liquidity that HFT is yeah. bringing to the market. And yeah, so maybe sentiment has changed a little
1: bit, but. Right, I mean, if you think about it, you're buying, like you think about a house, right? A house is $500,000. You're buying and selling a house multiple times a day in two minutes, right? Like you can't do that you know, without, you know, with a liquid, you know, market. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, again, if I had to vote, I'd say right now, I don't think it's going to happen, but again, it could change in two weeks. So do you, do you trade yourself, Brian? I do actually, I do. I do, um, I trade a lot outside of tax season. See right now it's like hot and heavy. And so, um, (laughs) you know, if I see something like a layup, you know, I'll, I'll get in there, but right now I'm really just focused on mentoring, developing my staff, making sure we're, we're providing quality tax returns, all that good stuff. But I do get in there and trade. Uh, I like to trade, you know, large cap stocks, options, and actually having a really good year. March was a little rough, but January and February was, was really good. So this this has been a good year for me.
0: Fantastic. So are you taking new clients?
1: Uh, yeah. So anybody who's coming on board right now, um, typically we're asking them to just go on extension. And then we will tend to it kind of after the May 17th deadline. Because right now we're, absolutely jam packed. So a lot of, you know, if, if if you're OK with following an extension, you know, we can get to it after the May 17th deadline. But as of right now, we are absolutely slammed. I mean, it's a good problem to have, obviously. But of course, uh, you know, if, if if that is you, then yeah, we could definitely you know get you going right after the May 17th deadline.
0: All right. Sweet. So so somebody who is, uh, say, locked up with another accountant that may not have your level of expertise on trading. Yeah is there anything that you can give them kind of like a, just a tidbit to make sure that they're doing the right thing that even if their accountant's not knowledgeable, that they don't get. You
1: know, yeah, you no, know, I see, I see this a lot, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, the, the CPA relationship is, you know, they're looked at as probably one of the more trusted advisors you know, in someone's you know, kind of circle. Right. And so if you have a relationship with an accountant, a lot of times it's long term. it's not just a one year relationship. So, uh, what, what'll happen is, one is I'll usually point them to our I have a you know a lot of content in Trader Tax CPA where, you know, I just have a lot of different blog posts that go through a lot of the stuff that we've you know discussed today. I've got the YouTube channel going and also I do consulting. So I do a lot of consultations with a lot of different people all across the US. Um, so I have a calendar link where people can sign up. And a lot of times I'll do calls with not only the trader, but also their CPA. And so sometimes after talking, if they decide, hey, you know what this is a little bit above my pay grade, you know, I'm going to go ahead and refer this out. They'll do that, or you know, we'll just figure out if I can get them comfortable in answering the questions. And so, you know, there's a couple ways to do that. And I do have a, a lot of other clients too, where maybe they trade in an LLC and then their CPA handles the personal taxis or something else. And so, that makes it easier, right? Because then we can do the, the separate entity return and then give them the K1s and then they take it to their guy, you know, and they'll go from there. So,
0: absolutely. Cool. So where can people find your content?
1: TraderTaxCPA.com uh, is the website, YouTube. I'm pretty active on there. So that's Brian Rivera CPA, where I talk about personal finance, entrepreneurship, investing, and then Twitter, TraderTaxCPA. And then same thing with uh, Instagram, I think it's Brian Rivera CPA. I'm not super active right now, to be honest, uh, just because <laughs> I feel busy. Uh, it's a good problem to have, but usually outside of tax season, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active with that, so.
0: Fantastic. Well, uh, you have participated in uh, Traders for a Cause uh, events in the past, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you for uh, for supporting us, and and thank you for coming on the podcast and offering this wisdom, especially in such a busy time of year for you. Yeah, no and uh, we do have some events coming up. Uh, we'll be announcing one shortly in the spring, and um, maybe it'd be appropriate. I believe it's going to be after tax day. Uh, maybe it'd be appropriate for you to for you to come on and uh, and share some more nuggets of wisdom. I think that yeah. would be really beneficial and. Uh,
1: you you guys doing virtual this year or yeah so
0: uh definitely virtual uh in the spring you know vegas is kind of still up in the air but i think that we're leaning towards pushing back to 2022 just with the uncertainty so um but when we do go back to vegas i hope that i can count on you coming out there that would be uh that would be a blast i did go uh maybe like like two years ago three
1: years ago oh did you okay Uh, yes i I did go to vegas Uh, i think it was was it was either 18 I can't remember what year is, but it was but great time, you know, just going around, just networking, seeing a lot of the clients I've, I've had and worked with and just, you know, golfing and stuff like that. So it was, it was good times.
0: It's sure. really, it's really a one of a kind experience, you know, and, and you can ask anybody that's been there. So
1: absolutely.
0: Well, thank you again for being here. And um, yeah, and until next time, I'll say trade profit and make a difference. Take there care, go. guys. Thank you.
1: Have a good one.